Students started back to school last month amidst the uncertain world of COVID-19 and the renewed racial justice movement across America. Franklin resident Shirley Parks remembers her own uncertain days as a student during integration in Macon County, and much later in 2011 as the first black principal in Macon County schools since integration. BPR's Lily Knepp spoke with Parks as she sat on her front porch. I listened to the board meeting last night, and either way, you can't win. I'm glad that I'm not in have to make those decisions right now, but I think our board and our superintendent just trying to do what's best, what they can. You know, their hands are tied in a lot of things, but to keep our students and faculty safe, you have to go by these guidelines, and it 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 hurts the students not to be in school. But I feel like the teachers are doing the best they can. I have a very good friend that's a teacher, um, Laura Brown. She teaches at Cartuga J. And she, you know, she loves her students. She loves to teach. And, and she said, you know, they're struggling. So you were the first black principal in Macon County after integration. But you were actually in school in Franklin when the schools were still segregated until third grade, I believe. Yeah. What was that like? The transition with the um, other school, it was... It was all I knew because I was there in first grade and second grade. And in the we had three different classrooms. There was first grade through fourth, and then there was fifth through eighth, and then ninth through twelfth. We had one teacher, and we might have been behind a little bit, but it was good times. The transition into the integrated school in the East Franklin, and it's ironic because I ended up principal at East Franklin. That's the school I was integrated into, which when I think back, was horrible as a young child and a black child and going into a school and being the only person of color. And the kids would, you know, they didn't understand. They just listened to what their parents say, and they would call you the N-word. And I think that's kind of where I first learned the N-word. But um, it was, I was very shy. So that made made a difference. It was, I was one of 10 children. And um, so my older and younger brothers and sisters, they would take up for me because I was very shy and I'd cry. But it was, it was difficult. It was very difficult. And when I think back on it, I didn't, it was not a good time. Over time, it got better. Um, but I think the worst thing was when they put us, when they integrated the schools, they put like one black kid in each class instead of putting some of us together so that we would have friends or somebody we knew. So I think that was um, bad that they did us like that. Right now, I mean, everybody is talking about racism and racial justice in America. And I do hear from some people in the community that they don't think that, you know, racism existed in Macon County or in Western North Carolina, you know, before right now during this very political moment? Well, a lot of people refuse to see that. And some people, they think because there wasn't a lot of problems, because they didn't, they, they didn't walk in their shoes. I remember racism. I, my it, it was still in high school when my daughter was in high school. When my son was in school, it is still around now. And and people want to close their eyes. They had to be deaf and blind 
but a lot of people they just don't want to own that or they look at it in a way well we didn't have any problems yeah as long as we stayed in our place and when i say you know place they um everything was fine but if you stepped out then you had some problems i remember as a little girl going to the um out there with the fairgrounds there was a little playground and my sisters and i we were on the little equipment out there playing and this man made us get off told us we were too big to be on it and they and had some other little white kids that were same size as we were let them play on it and i remember in the movie theater we could not see it with the white people we had the top balcony which were the best seats they didn't realize that but we you know that was separated you know and in town there were colored water fountains and white water fountains and so i don't see how people can say there was no racism they try to say separate but equal but uh that that's that's not true um even in uh in the our segregated school we had old textbooks that were come down from the white schools and we had to pay a fee for those little books that were already used you open up your book and there's all these names of other kids in there. So, you know, we just kind of got the hand-me-downs. But anybody that says there was no racism in Macon County, they need to go back and, and talk to some people and look at history. I was reading, I don't know who wrote this article in the Franklin Press about they had did a report on slavery and they said that the slave, when they talked to the slaves, the slaves said that the masters fe- treated them well. Well, what if, what else, what's the slave going to do with you got Uncle Tom standing here, Mr. Tom standing here, and you're going to say, oh, no, he's mean to me? Of course they're going to say, oh, yeah, everything's fine. And back even in a Jim Crow time, they're not going to speak out. They could lose their job. And so... You know, it was it was alive and well, and it's still alive. Yeah, and I mean, just to give people some context, um, how old are you now? How old am I? I'm sixty three. <laughs> I forget. I'm six. I just I turned sixty three. Yeah, my daughter Valerie, she she uh, went to Franklin High School, and she graduated from high school. I think it was two thousand nine, and my son graduated. 2016 he's over at western now but um he had the most valerie was an athlete in high school so she had it a little better but as a in elementary school one of the one things that she remembers to this day is in her kindergarten class when she was uh they were doing show and tell and one of her little friends got up and said oh i can't play with Valerie. My dad said, I can't play with Valerie anymore because she's a N-word. And it, Valerie, that's one thing. She did not know that word. We did not use that word. And she was just devastated. So she got her, you know, a lot of times when kids had parties, you know, they tell us they couldn't invite her. But it wasn't all of them. She had a group of friends. And as she grew up, it was a lot of little girls that came here and at the night, she, they, she would go to their house. She said, you know, one of the things that bothered her in high school, you know, they they would say the 
inward and stuff and look at her, but she kind of just let it bounce off of her. But um, overall, she had, did really good in high school. She was a uh, student council president and all that kind of stuff. My son is more the type that, you know, you he's not going to let you get away with saying those things. And so he had some problems and some issues with kids in school that would call him gorilla, porch monkey, stuff like that. And he would tell me and I would call up the principal and talk. And he didn't want me to paddle on him. He said, you know, he could take care of it. But, you know, my son should not have to go to school and worry about being um, bullied. And I'm sure it still happens over there. A lot of times when they, you tell the teachers, the teachers, a lot of them say, oh, just don't pay any money, you know, don't pay any attention, it's gone. But it's difficult. And if people would look at it this way sometimes, you know, when they, they call you the N-word, if you would think about somebody calling you the B-word, wouldn't you be upset and all that? And your parents would be upset, you'd be upset, teachers be upset. Hey, think of it in that same way. All these things we're talking about kind of center around school. What made you want to be a teacher? Um, I actually, when I first started out, when I went off to college, I wanted to be in, I, want, I majored in business. But once I got there, I saw that that's not what I really wanted to do. So I changed it over to education. And that's when I found my passion. Because growing up, I did a lot of babysitting. That's how I made a lot of my money. I babysat different people. You know, kids, I always babysat kids. Even when I got to college, I babysat for the professors. While other kids were out having a good time, I was at the professor's house babysitting their kids. And so, you know, my name was passed around because I, they really liked me. So they would come and pick me up from college at my dorm and take me, and I'd go keep their kids, and they'd bring me back to the dorm. So that's how I made money there. But, um, it was just it's just something about the joy I felt when I was working with students and just the the little light I know this kind of everybody says it's a little light bulb go off, but it it's just a, a passion that I have to help children, to work with children. And I love them and they're they're the best little people. And when I think back on my teaching days those are some of the best days of my life teaching. And I did, after I retired, I did go back and do an um, interim for a teacher. And she had first grade. And it, I enjoyed myself. I mean, it was just, uh, I went twice. I went, went back and uh, did a first grade, and then I did a third grade, which is my favorite grade of all. But we did so much in third grade that we had so much fun, so much. I, when I taught, I taught it in a fun way. And I also taught them manners. We studied etiquette. It wasn't on the curriculum, but we we studied it. And we'd have a little etiquette party and all that stuff. And now when I see kids, I just talked to one at, um, I think it was Bilo's a couple of days ago. He said, Miss Parks. I remember when you used to teach me and you taught etiquette. And he said, and I have the best table manners now. <laughs> and that's one thing they remember about me. So if that's it, if they can learn to, 
the keep her elbows off the table and the napkin on the lap. Hey, we're good. You became a teacher in, in 1984 in Macon County, and then uh, wasn't until 2003 you became the lead teacher at Cartuga J, and then that led to you being the principal of East Franklin Elementary School. Tell me a little bit about that journey, you know, climbing, climbing the ranks to becoming an administrator in, in, in Macon County. It was a journey. It really was. It's not. It wasn't as easy for me as I look at some of these other people how they're climbing those ranks. Of to start out, when I got back to when I graduated from uh, the college I was at at Saint Paul and tried to get a teaching position, they'd always tell me, you know, they didn't have any um, openings or you overqualified. Blah blah. So finally, I did get in as a teacher assistant after four years of, of trying. I worked, I taught as a teacher assistant for four years. And every time I would apply for a job that came open, a teaching position, they would tell me I didn't have enough experience. Okay. There are people that's getting right out of college nowadays that go right in the classroom. And they were then too. Finally, I got um, a teaching position as Title One teacher at two different schools at uh, Otto and Union, which was Union Elementary. So I drove back and forth to those two, two schools as uh, Title I teacher. And then I, I did that for a couple of years, and then I became, uh, they had a third grade opening, and bless Harry Bell's heart, he gave me that position. And um, so I started, had third grade, and then moved on up, and I went back to a college. I, had, got, I already had my master's degree, I went back and started work on my EDS uh, specialist uh, administration, and then when when uh, I was at Cartuga J, and I wanted they had was had an opening for a lead teacher, and I applied for that. That wasn't easy. They told me I had to get my bus license, <laughs> so, and um, I think that was more, you know, trying to keep me from getting that position. That's the way I see it now because a lot of time, nowadays you don't have to have any, a lot of them didn't have to have a bus license. Anyway, I got my bus license and so I got the job. And then I, I was lead teacher for a year and then the next year uh, we had a new principal and I applied for that job but I felt like I wasn't really ready to be head principal right then and so Jan Gann came in as a assist, uh, as principal, and I learned so much from that lady. She was wonderful. She made sure I knew what was going on. She, you know, let me lead things, and so I learned a lot from her. And after that, when I when it became East Franklin School got open, I applied for that, and I got that job, and I was ready for it. I knew I uh, I felt like. That's where I was supposed to be. You know, I heard a lot of people saying it was a difficult school and everything, but I loved it. And and I would have stayed longer. I started having health problems. But um, when I look back at that school at East Franklin, I had some. I had a good year. I had some good years. But it wasn't an easy. Back when I was work, trying to get in as a teacher, I had to go through the EEOC and the NAACP. 
And so those are journeys, you know, that's something I didn't want to take because I want to be want it to be hard because of me, of my abilities, my skills, what I had to bring to the table. But they wasn't seeing that. So I had to, I know what you say, get reinforcements. Do you have any advice for people right now? Any, I know that kids are being sent home from school. There's a lot of racial justice movement in the, in the United States is still, still going on and still moving forward. How, what do you want to say to people? Well, with the pandemic, I think we need to be patient and we need to be safe. We need to follow the guidelines that's out there for us to, to be safe. As far as racist stuff, I think we need to speak out. If you see what something's wrong, speak up. Stand out. Don't just stand back. If you don't say anything, it's going to continue. And I think our young people are going to pick this up. It's going to be up to them to change the way things are going now. And I think that needs to start in the schools, teaching not only you don't shouldn't just teach slavery in school, you know, teach other things how, you know, about the people that, that made a way to teach the real history, not just part of the history. It's a shame for history uh, is when you look at the white people. It's their shame for history. But it, we, it wasn't the people that's here now that's doing that had happened, but it happened. And they need to acknowledge that. And we're going to have to go from there. And our people are going to have to get out and vote. We need somebody, real leaders in the in these in our government. And the only way we're going to do that is to get out and vote. We need to listen and not just vote because of somebody's color. We need to listen, really look and see what they're saying and what's going to help us and make us all move forward. Because right now, I feel that we've moved backwards. <music> 